Welcome to Haunted Talks, the official podcast of The Haunted Walk, offering ghost tours and paranormal adventures in Kingston, Ottawa, and Toronto, Ontario, and online experiences to anyone in this mortal realm. My name is Jim Dean. I am the creative director, and it is my privilege to be your haunted host for this episode. In today's episode, we will be exploring the curse of the Hope Diamond. To set the scene, I would like to read part of an article published in the Buffalo News on April 3rd, 1910, which nicely encapsulates the fear and urban legend status this gem had attained. The demon in the heart of the mysterious Hope Diamond whose weird potential influence has, it is asserted, already ruined so many lives, has fastened its glittering eyes firmly on another victim and is watching with gloating expectancy her struggles to escape from threatened doom. This latest target from the poison rays of this wonderful jewel's baleful light is said to be Mei Yohei, former theatrical star who under distressing conditions is striving bravely to support her mother and herself by maintaining a third-rate boarding house in Seattle, Washington. Every particle of the ill luck that has pursued the vaudeville star since she married Lord Francis Hope 16 years ago, May Yohei attributes to the jewel and declares that her troubles commenced when the happy young lord proudly fastened a scintillating gem on his beautiful bride's breast on the night of their wedding. May Yohei's wedding was the social sensation of 1894. Lord Francis Hope, profligate son of one of England's most respected peers, saw the pretty actress when she sang in a London theatre and fell head over heels in love. He showered attentions on her and his lavish presence of jewellery were the talk of London. Finally, English society was startled with the news of his marriage. May Yohe, Lady Frances, did not remain away from the stage. The frivolities of the footlights lured her back, and the haughty attitude of her husband's noble family, who tried hard to have the marriage annulled, did much to keep her there. With the actress's return to the stage began the sinister work of the diamond. She was a failure, except to view the marvelous gem that blazed at her breast. No one came to see her. Those who heard her sing forgot to applaud, while the dramatic critics cruelly christened her the flat-footed prima donna with the three-note voice. After a year or so, a fruitless effort to regain her former popularity, there came the second stab from the knife of the demon of the diamond. Lord Francis brought suit for divorce. Naming as co-respondent Putnam Bradley Strong, a captain in the United States Army. 
the divorce was granted. Strong resigned his commission and married Lady Hope, and Lord Francis and the Jubilant Diamond sailed back to England. Strong and Mayohe went on the vaudeville stage together. For two years, the pair had a difficult time. They quarreled and in 1904, parted, then made up and separated again in 1905. Strong went to Constantinople, and Mary Yohei continued to fight fate on the stage. The actress always insisted that her love for Captain Strong was just as fervent as on the day she left Lord Francis to join him. One of the reasons he is said to have given for leaving her was he had made a failure of the theatrical work and was not content to be supported by his wife. His wife announced that Captain Strong was going to enter the diplomatic service and make a home for her in Turkey. Now comes the news that Strong no longer cares for her and has purposely remained away from America. The actress has brought suit for divorce charging desertion. Strong's treatment of Mei Yohei so wore on the actress that she abandoned the stage for a long time and no one knew just where she was. The news of her being mistress of a cheap boarding house and of her penniless condition became public with the filing of her divorce application. Those who knew the woman's history shake their heads and whisper that awful Hope Diamond. It's going to get her too. What would you do, dear listener, if someone gave you a precious gift that happened to be cursed? An item so beautiful and compelling that it's captured the imaginations of people around the world, from the wealthy to the regal. But something so dark and potentially doomed that it's been linked to the demise of countless people and the disappearance of incomprehensible wealth. Would you accept the gift, eagerly taking this amazing object? Would you reject it, refuse to be near it, and never consider touching it? Or would you proudly display it, inviting the entire world to come and see this historical mystery? Well, that's the course of action that the Smithsonian Museum took decades ago when they were gifted the Hope Diamond, a massive jewel that seems to have secrets deeper than its indigo blue color. The cursed diamond has been on display at Washington's National Museum of Natural History since the 1950s. It's possible that the curse of the ill-fated diamond diminished or even died out by the time it made its way to the museum. As there's no evidence of anyone being harmed from handling it, let alone the millions of visitors that have gazed upon it. Still, people wonder if there is some darker force attached to the diamond that somehow made it responsible for the premature or tragic deaths of many of its owners and some astonishing tales of vanishing wealth and tragedy. In this episode, we will explore 
the Hope Diamond's curse and start to separate the fact from the fiction. But before we get to that, I do have some big news to share, which you will be amongst the first to hear. One of our most unique experiences is returning for a limited run this summer. If you are in Toronto, will be visiting, or want to plan a paranormal-themed vacation, you need to join us for Alone in the Dark at the Elgin and Winter Garden Theatre. We get the rare opportunity to have this National Historic Site all to ourselves as we explore the two theatres and the ornate lobbies. Throughout the experience, we will trace humanity's attempts to contact the other side, from ancient times up to today, as we experiment with different methods of communication. Alone in the Dark is not about jump scares or cheap thrills. We go deeper than that. This experience is a thoughtful and interactive evening inside an incredible and historic haunted landmark, where we will consider the nature of hauntings as we reach out into the abyss. This unforgettably eerie evening at the only operational double-decker theater in the world will delight ghost story enthusiasts, paranormal investigators, avid theater goers, urban explorers, or anyone with a curiosity about the unknown. Tickets are extremely limited. And I do want Haunted Talk listeners to make sure you get in there to have this experience. So jump on hauntedwalk.com today to secure your spot. On the website, you will also find information about our ghost tours in Kingston, Ottawa, and Toronto, and our online experiences, including the haunting at home and our virtual haunted campfires, which can be enjoyed from anywhere in the world. If I could ask a favor, please be sure to follow, rate, and review the show wherever you listen, and recommend it to anyone you know who loves exploring the great mysteries of life. We hope you will follow us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter for our latest updates, spooky memes, and spine-tingling stories. Before we go any further, let's pause for a moment. A huge blue diamond that was once in the collection of French monarchs, so remarkably large in size that everyone awes in wonder while in its presence. Have you heard this story before? Perhaps as a plot of a movie? One where countless people on a voyage are cursed? It does sound remarkably like the heart of the ocean that appears in the famous movie Titanic and is infamously chucked into the Atlantic Ocean at the end. Perhaps to free the main characters in the film from its sinister grasp. To be clear though, the Hope Diamond is not the same as the heart of the ocean. 
the latter is simply a work of fiction that seems strongly based on Hope Diamond lore. Our gem in question was never on the Titanic, but fictional tales from the film has caused some people to confuse stories of cursed gemstones. So we'll set aside the Titanic for now. But if you're trying to imagine what the Hope Diamond looks like, think of that huge rounded gem that adorns Kate Winslet's neck in that infamous movie. For others less familiar with the film, and to get everyone acquainted with the Hope Diamond, I'll describe some of its key features. The huge diamond is not that typical translucent crystal-like color that we're used to. Due to some trace boron in the gem, it's a deep blue color, but still remains remarkably translucent. It's not the only blue diamond in the world, but it is still quite rare. What makes it remarkable, however, is its size. Today, it's around 45 carats, roughly the size of a walnut, and stunningly heavy, according to those who have handled it. But when it was first stolen from India, it was reportedly over 100 carats, pre-cut, and over twice the size of its current weight. Due to its fragmented history and changing styles, the diamond we know today as the Hope is the largest piece of this much, much bigger diamond. It's currently placed in a century-old setting, similar to that Titanic one you may be familiar with. The dark blue gem is surrounded by white emeralds and hangs on a chain of similar gems. While nearly impossible to estimate, the worth of the necklace is believed to be around 200 to 350 million US dollars. Most of its valuable price tag is due to the diamond's physical worth. But as we will learn, its storied history has certainly contributed to its massive value. Skipping over the long geological history of this diamond and how it was formed deep below the Earth's surface, its early human history is a bit murky. It is very likely that the gem came from India, if we are to believe the French merchant Jean-Baptiste Tavernier. It is unclear if the gem was mined by an associate of Tavernier and then purchased, or if it may have been previously mined and stolen by the opportunistic Frenchman traversing the globe in search of jewels for his king. For those who have traced the curse of the Hope Diamond, this is usually the crux of the origin story. Unfortunately, there is little evidence to point to its early history, and whether the rumors are true, namely that Tavernier perhaps stole the diamond from a Hindu shrine or plucked it from an Indian noble's jewel collection, there's simply no evidence, but definitely the makings of a really good curse origin story. What we do know is that the huge diamond appeared in France in the mid-17th century and ended up in the hands of Louis XIV, the famous Sun King. He commissioned his royal jeweler to cut the stone in the Baroque style 
of the day, which reduced its weight and dimensions to around 70 carats. It became known as the French Blue. Although the Sun King supposedly adored his fancy new gem, it was just another one in his huge collection that he acquired throughout his lifetime. Surely, it didn't contribute to his downfall, but the French Blue has been credited with sealing someone else's fate. After passing down through the generations, the French Blue was eventually in the hands of Marie Antoinette, the Queen of France and wife of Louis XVI. Like the rest of the royal family, the massive diamond wasn't necessarily a special piece in her massive collection, and there is no evidence that she even wore it. But of course, not long after she acquired the pendant, the reign of terror in France began, and both she and her husband were beheaded. Were these the first victims of the cursed blue diamond? Perhaps. Even though there is no evidence the diamond caused their death, it certainly was in their possession when they were imprisoned, and by 1792, the French blue and many of the crown jewels were stolen and seemingly lost to the sands of history. If the diamond was indeed cursed, it managed to completely disappear in a mysterious puff of smoke. That is, until years later, when a large blue diamond appeared in England with a shady backstory. Scientific evidence later confirmed that this approximately 45-carat diamond was a big piece of the original French blue. But everyone was just speculating at the time. The exact path of the diamond, from a doomed French monarch to a British diamond merchant, is lost to history. Its two decades' absence gives the gem mysterious allure and has certainly added to speculation that early owners knew it was cursed, preferring to hide it and hopefully keep its murderous grip at bay. But it's more likely that poor record-keeping and potentially shady backroom deals have simply shrouded the tale in some mystery. There is some speculation, and even a bit of evidence, that King George IV owned the diamond shortly before his death. Perhaps the cursed jewel was responsible for his final moments, even though he was quite old at that time. He had likely just obtained the jewel not long before his death. We simply don't know enough about how and when the diamond changed hands. But finally, in 1839, the trajectory of the diamond's history becomes a little clearer when it was published in a catalogue showcasing the jewel collection of Henry Philip Hope. And then, you guessed it, he died that very same year. Coincidence? Perhaps. But the list of owners dying shortly after acquiring this gem is growing, isn't it? Rather than hide the gem or throw it into the ocean, the Hope family kept the diamond around 
It passed between generations of the family, and its long tenure with them is the reason it still carries their name. Did the famous diamond end up cursing the Hope family? That's up to some speculation and extrapolation, of course. When the family acquired the diamond, they were still one of the wealthiest and most influential non-noble families in Great Britain. After gaining considerable riches through colonial trade, they became unofficial brokers of financial deals that often included precious gems, valuable land, and heaps of financial assets. They had property and riches beyond comprehension. But, only 60 years after first acquiring the diamond, the Hope family was in deep trouble. Their riches had dwindled, and the owner of the diamond in 1902, Lord Francis Hope, one-time husband to May Yohe, acquired special permission to sell it, partially to consolidate some of his debt. Was the Hope's misfortune due to a lingering curse from a stolen gem? Or perhaps just a symptom of financial mismanagement? The first published account of the diamond's sinister side was published in 1888 in a New Zealand paper, which we managed to track down. Here is the key section. It weighs 45 carats and is the largest and most perfect of the blue diamonds. Though white when held in the light, it emits the most superb and dazzling blue rays. It is popularly known as the Hope Diamond, having been the property of an English gentleman of that name who brought it from India. Its history is surrounded with wild traditions of the East, and more than once it has been stained with blood, lost and recovered, bought and sold, stolen and yielded as ransom. If you're starting to believe in the Diamond's Curse, here's where the story gets a bit more evidence. The next owner, Simon Frankel, also seemed to be one of the gem's potential victims. Although there is evidence that Frankel, a diamond merchant from New York, was financially struggling when he acquired the gem, his luck got worse and worse over the years. In 1907, a depression hit the U.S., and gem dealers suffered disproportionately. Frankel went bankrupt and was forced to sell the prize jewel, thankfully for him making a small profit on the transaction. But by the next year, the diamond had gained a public reputation for being cursed. It wasn't until a syndicated column published in newspapers across North America in 1908 that caught everyone's attention and suddenly had the rumor mill swirling. I'd like to read you a little bit of that 1908 article. Deep behind double locked doors hides the Hope Diamond. Snug and secure behind time lock and bolt, 
It rests in its cottonwood nest under many wrappings in the great vault of the great house of Frankel. Yet not all the locks and bolts and doors ever made by man can ward off its baleful power or screen from its venom those against whom its malign force may be directed. So the necromancers of old would have said, knowing what history is known of this gem of gems. So today will those wise men of the Middle Kingdom tell one who has asked in reverence that every gem has its own power for good or evil, and that this power never dies, though it may wax or wane under circumstances, may lie dormant for centuries, only to reappear with redoubled energy when terrestrial and celestial conditions combine to bring into play the mysterious forces hid beneath its glittering surface. Ridicule the fancy that would endow a crystal of carbon with sentient qualities, or believe in the occult power of jewels to curse or bless, one must own that in the careers of those who have been so fortunate or unfortunate as to possess this great blue stone they call the Hope Diamond, there have been death and disaster enough, and more than enough, to make a peg on which hang a tale of an imprisoned evil, reaching out to blight whom its baneful rays may reach. Some speculated that Frankel had kept the diamond a secret over the years, only showcasing it periodically to the very wealthy, because, mysteriously, terrible things would happen to them after seeing the gem. There were no eyewitnesses or people on record backing up these outlandish tales, but suddenly the Hope Diamond had a cursed reputation that was blamed for every death or misfortune of every owner over the past two centuries. It is unclear if earlier owners knew about the supposed curse when they acquired the diamond, but it is very clear that Edward and Evelyn Walsh McLean knew exactly what the gem purportedly represented. The dealer, Pierre Cartier, of Parisian jeweler fame, partially convinced the McLeans to buy the piece because of its shady past. He supposedly made up some stories and greatly embellished others about the jewel's history, adding another layer to the cursed folklore. Over the course of about a year, the press reported on the Hope Diamond and the couple's hesitancy in acquiring the cursed object, even involving lawyers and the courts to potentially back out of the sale. Some have since speculated that the entire affair was overblown by the McLeans themselves to gain notoriety. Others pointed out it was probably just a young, wealthy couple flaunting their extra cash. Either way, by February 1912, the diamond had been set in a modern necklace that was proudly shown off by Mrs. McLean at a brilliant reception. While the McLeans owned the gem, it continued to build a reputation, 
but largely a playful one, at least at first. Mrs. McLean made a big show of parading the diamond around at social events and even accidentally losing it as a party trick. She reportedly tied the diamond to her dog, flaunting her carelessness. But the diamond took a bit more of a sinister turn in 1919, when the 10-year-old son of the McLeans was tragically killed when struck by an automobile. Of course, the public blamed the Hope Diamond and started linking every subsequent family tragedy to it. Eventually, the gem was sold for the purposes of, you guessed it, settling the debts of the McLean family. By this time, one of the richest families in the eastern United States was in serious financial trouble. Evelyn had died at the relatively young age of 60. Two of her four children were already dead, and her husband was forced to live in an asylum after being declared insane. Bad luck? Or did the curse strike again? From there, the Hope Diamond begins its public exhibit career. Harry Winston eventually donated the piece to the Smithsonian Museum after exhibiting it himself for nearly a decade. He famously mailed the diamond using simple registered mail, wrapping the package in plain brown paper and only insuring the priceless piece for $1 million, a tiny fraction of its worth even back then. Winston famously disputed the curse and donated the Hope Diamond not for its folklore, but because it was an incredible and unique gem that the Smithsonian deserved to exhibit. Since its donation, the Hope Diamond has only traveled a handful of times for exhibition and examination, primarily staying at its permanent home in the National Gem Collection. It has changed settings a few times for special occasions, but most people who see it will recognize what has become an iconic historic setting. So let's review the evidence. Of course, there is nothing that definitively points to the Hope Diamond being cursed. But there are some admittedly strange events surrounding the diamond and its chain of custody. There is a shady backstory, where it was acquired, and by whom. Although that's quite common for historic objects, especially those acquired during colonial conquest, it does add an element of allure. But the curse, if there is one, doesn't seem to have started until the French Revolution, well over a century after the diamond was first plucked from India. But it then lands in the hands of another monarch, and they die shortly after. Is that coincidence? Maybe the gem did have something against monarchs, in particular those who were busy flaunting their riches and power. And then there's the very odd string of bankruptcies and misfortunes that seem to befall every family who acquires the diamond for the next century. Just more coincidence, right? Well, 
Everyone who owns the diamond for an extended period goes bankrupt, without fail, until Harry Winston finally donates it. Maybe it's just the cycle of wealth and formerly rich families losing significant assets over the years. But perhaps there's something else here. Again, it's impossible to know for certain, but the list of bankrupt people associated with the diamond is strikingly long and consistent. What we do know is that most of the myth and wild speculation that gripped the imaginations of countless people over the years is the result of over-exaggeration in the press. Completely fabricated stories about people who met untimely fates from simply gazing at the gem, or those who suffer from a series of misfortunes until the gem finally passes out of their hands. Those stories, we know, are just myths added to the history of the gem to increase its value or allure. It probably sold a lot of paper and eventually a lot of admission tickets for people who wanted to see the cursed gem for themselves. Going back to its value, while it's impossible to estimate the monetary worth of this rare gem, it definitely has a historic reputation that has certainly added to its fame. Where does that leave us? Most historians and modern commentators seem to agree the Hope Diamond Curse has little factual evidence to back it up. The origins of the curse seem to be quite clear. They are made up in the press in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. But even the people who dispute the curse admit there are some terrible tragedies associated with this gem. If we lay out the long-time owners, almost all of them suffer from a similar misfortune, and there does appear to be a concentration of deaths in families shortly after acquiring the diamond. Of course, many historical objects seem to have negative energies attached to them, and we've covered many examples of objects that people think are cursed or haunted. Can objects become cursed and be blamed for the misfortunes of countless people? Or is this just another series of coincidences? Or perhaps it's a little bit of both. That's up for you to decide. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Have you made up your mind? If someone offered you the Hope Diamond, would you accept? I'd love to hear your answers to that question. And you can post them on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or Twitter. We're at Haunted Walk on all of those platforms. For information about Alone in the Dark at the Elgin and Winter Garden Theatre, as well as our ghost tours in Kingston, Ottawa, and Toronto, Ontario, and our online experiences, including the haunting at home and our virtual haunted campfires, 
please visit our website, which is hauntedwalk.com. Please follow, rate, and review the show wherever you listen, and we hope you will recommend Haunted Talks to anyone you know who loves the things that go bump in the night. As always, a special thanks to our Haunted Talks team, including Brittany Buss, who researched and wrote this episode, and Michelle Dennis, our outstanding audio editor. Until we meet again, sweet dreams. Thank you.